Hello and welcome to an Alan and Overy IP podcast. My name is Elizabeth Taylor and I'm an associate in the London IP litigation team. I'm joined today by two of my colleagues who are also in the London team, Rafi Alos and Erin Curry. Hi, Elizabeth. It's great to be here with you. Hi, Elizabeth. Thanks for having us. Rafi, Erin and I are all part of the global intellectual property team and tend to focus on life sciences patent litigation. One thing that we've seen cropping up more and more is the use or consideration of pending divisional patent applications in litigation. And so in this podcast, we're going to take a look at the different strategies that have been used in UK litigation when dealing with the grant of divisional patents. So Rafi, to start us off, why is it that divisional patent applications are important to consider when litigating a parent patent? Thanks, Elizabeth. Um, It's important for companies, whether they're in the position of the patentee or of an alleged infringer, to be aware of the possibility that a divisional application could come along and be used as a basis for a further action, potentially giving the patentee a second chance of successfully enforcing its patent family. For example, if a parent patent is refused or invalidated, then a divisional application covering a similar or even nearly the same subject matter could still grant later, and there can be significant uncertainty when the divisional application might grant. And there's also the potential for there to be a non-published divisional application that has been requested, but not publicly available. Basically, a divisional application can be filed or requested before the European Patent Office, so long as an earlier application of a patent family is still pending. So ultimately, it's important for companies to be aware of the potential for a divisional application, particularly given that if a parent patent is revoked or successfully opposed, that doesn't necessarily complete the picture as the divisional would be an independent patent right and could come along later. Right. So, I mean, much of patent litigation from the perspective of the alleged infringer has the aim of clearing the way um, and obtaining commercial certainty for a party. But what can be done to preempt a pending divisional that hasn't yet granted and therefore gives rise to all of that uncertainty that you've just explained? Yeah, so I guess if, if you are in that position where you're concerned about uncertainty and looking to achieve freedom to operate, then the UK is a great jurisdiction to be in. There are a couple of fairly powerful legal tools that can be used. Uh, One is to be seeking a broad arrow declaration that can read onto the divisional patent. Another would be to rely upon issue estoppel based on an earlier decision on on parent patent or another patent in the same family, and then apply that to the divisional. Okay, Um, let's perhaps take each of these in turn. Erin, can you explain what an Arrow Declaration is? Yes, so the first approach taken in recent years, uh, where a party has been concerned about the risks arising from divisionals, has been for the party to seek an Arrow Declaration, which is a declaration that a specific product or process was obvious at their priority date. So if a declaration is given that a specific product was obvious at the priority date, any claim that covers that product, whether it's been granted or has yet to be granted, would necessarily be invalid for lack of inventive step because it would cover something that was obvious. 
These declarations have typically been limited to cases of generic products or biosimilars, where there is no issue in saying that a particular product is old or obvious. And what about in situations where your product is new and innovative and might itself be patented? Because in those cases, you wouldn't want to be saying that your product is old or obvious. Yeah, so this is a potential limitation or rather was a potential limitation of aero declarations. But the ability to seek a declaration that is broader than a particular product has now been tested in a case before the Court of Appeal in Mexican and Honeywell in 2020. In that case, rather than seeking a narrow declaration covering just its own specific product, Mexichem sought a broad aero declaration that the idea of using two particular refrigerants, where this particular case had to do with compounds for refrigeration, that using these two particular refrigerants was obvious at the priority date and was then silent on the other features of its own product. Taking this approach, it avoided Mexichem having to say that its own product was obvious. Honeywell, in turn, sought to strike out the claim for these declarations, but the Court of Appeal refused to strike out the application, noting that there is no requirement that an error declaration be sought for a fully formulated product description. This case, therefore, potentially extends the applicability of error declarations beyond just the generic or biosimilar context. And generally speaking, the UK courts are quite flexible with the grant of declarations, so long as the declaration sought serves a useful purpose. But I should note that in practice, an issue remains as to how to formulate a declaration over a new innovative product that might be protected by its own patents with a later priority date without actually causing issues of invalidity for those later patents. So it is still the case that it can be difficult to say that an innovative product would have been old or obvious when defining it by reference to the claim language of the patent in suit. Right. So in summary, an arrow declaration is certainly a consideration in any revocation action against a parent patent or even a bundle of patents to anticipate future divisionals. But it can be difficult to formulate a declaration if you have an innovative product. Rafi, how does issue estoppel fit in? Thanks, Elizabeth. I think that's exactly right about an arrow declaration. Um, issue estoppel can be a very useful alternative argument when it comes to divisionals, but actually it's one that can be could be relied upon um, depending on the circumstances, either by um, the patentee or by the alleged infringer. Um, so from the perspective of an alleged infringer first, if we can avoid the problem that Erin was describing, um, because you don't need to formulate a declaration that could impact on the validity of a party's own later developed product in terms of any patent protection um, over that product. So what issue estoppel allows a party to do is effectively say that the findings in an earlier judgment, let's say one on a parent patent, and if we assume it's been revoked, say that that can be applied equally to the divisional patent. And so for the same reasons, the divisional patent should be found to be invalid. Effectively, the patentee is stopped. That means they're not allowed to assert that the divisional patent is valid 
for the same reasons that they had previously argued in relation to the parent patent. It avoids relitigation on the same issues. And in order to be able to rely upon issue estoppel successfully, you have to be talking about the same issues. And those same issues need to have been determined between the same parties um, and the issues need to be fundamental to the earlier decision. So if you have the same issues arising in relation to the divisional patent and those other requirements are satisfied, then you can effectively apply the decision on the parent patent to the divisional patent. There's an exception which is an important one particularly in the patent circumstances. And that's whether there are special circumstances that would mean that inflexibly applying issue estoppel principles would cause injustice. The normal example for this is where you have material that comes to light that wasn't known at the time of the earlier decision and that you couldn't have found out about with reasonable diligence, but then that could have an impact on the ultimate findings. So you want to be able to deploy that in the new proceedings. The application of issue estoppel and in UK um, patent law was tested for the first time in 2020 in the um, Eli Lilly and Genentech litigation. So here the High Court had previously revoked uh, Genentech's parent patent And then there was a divisional patent, which was granted a short while afterwards. And Lilly relied upon issue estoppel arising from the earlier judgment on the parent patent. And on that basis, sought summary judgment that the divisional patent was invalid. So effectively saying those same findings on the parent patent equally applied to the divisional patent and thereby to render the divisional patent invalid for the same reasons as a parent patent. The judge um, in the trial on the issue estoppel case found that issue estoppel did in fact apply and it applied to two main classes of findings. These were the ultimate determinations of invalidity. So for example, that the pattern was obvious over a particular prior art citation. But it also extended, he said, um, to the groundwork for those determinations, such as the identification of a common general knowledge, or what was disclosed in the prior art, what the skilled person would have done in light of that disclosure. The ultimate uh, result was Genentech, the patentee, was uh, stopped from arguing that the claims of the divisional patent were valid. And so the court gave summary judgment in relation to those claims, finding them invalid. And this has been argued again recently between Neurom and Milan, hasn't it? Although the facts of that case are a little bit different because it was the patentee, not the alleged infringer, that relied on issue estoppel there. The case highlights various factors to keep in mind when seeking to rely on issue estoppel. Yes, so Neurom and Flynn, a patentee and exclusive licensee, uh, brought patent infringement proceedings against Milan, who are seeking to market a generic version of Neurom's product. They first brought proceedings on the basis of a parent patent, um, and that was held to be valid and infringed by the UK court at first instance. But then the EPO revoked that patent ab initio, so as if it never existed. 
that was a final decision of the Technical Board of Appeal. Um, and so this led to a situation where a patentee would want to rely upon issue estoppel. What Neurom did is they said in the UK that the issues of validity and infringement had already all been litigated in respect of the parent patent and applied equally to a divisional patent that they'd had granted. So they said Mylan couldn't argue against the previous findings on the parent patent in the context of the infringement action on the divisional patent. Mylan contested this primarily on the basis that because the EPO revoked the parent patent with final effect before they were able to appeal the first instance decision on validity, they never had a chance to challenge that first instance decision on the parent patent. And under the doctrine of issue estoppel, the estoppel only arises where the issues that had been determined are fundamental to the final outcome. In the unusual circumstances of, the, of this case, the reasons in the judgment for finding the parent patent to be valid were not determinative of the final outcome in the proceedings because the patent was revoked by the EPO. And so there was actually no final outcome that the patent was valid and infringed. Therefore, there was no issue estoppel. In these circumstances, in order to avoid a full further trial on the divisional patent on issues that had already been lit litigated, the judge said, okay, although issue estoppel doesn't apply, um, he indicated that case management powers should be used to appropriately manage the proceedings on the divisional patent. This meant he said, restricting any trial of the divisional action to only those materials and arguments put before the trial judge in the parent patent action, and also adopting the judgment from that parent action. Thanks, Rafi. It's interesting to see another application of issue estoppel in a patent context. Uh, and the case also seems to show how case management powers can come into play and be used even where issue estoppel has failed. So, Erin, both arrow declarations and issue estoppel are creatures of UK law, but considering that patent litigation is rarely restricted to national borders, what's the bigger picture here? How does this play into broader strategies of parallel litigation, which often occurs across Europe? That's a good question, Elizabeth. So, a patentee can assert a divisional in addition to or subsequent to the earlier parent patent in the same family and seek an injunction upon the grant of a divisional. This strategy can be particularly powerful in certain jurisdictions. So for example, in Germany, patent infringement and invalidity proceedings are bifurcated where each is heard by a different court. Additionally, the infringement courts typically have a shorter timeline to determination than the courts that hear invalidity actions. And invalidity actions can't be brought in Germany while proceedings are ongoing in the EPO. Together, this leads to what we call an injunction gap, where a party can be found to infringe and be injuncted without being able to challenge the validity of a patent until a potentially much later date in Germany. So a patentee can benefit from this injunction gap in Germany with respect to a divisional, depending on the timing of when the divisional is likely to grant. 
For example, this is particularly so in cases where the parent patent has previously been revoked. Once a divisional is granted, the patentee can immediately bring infringement proceedings in Germany, yet the validity proceedings can't be brought for some time because very often in such cases, the patent is highly likely to still be under opposition at the EPO. To counter this, alleged infringers can seek to rely on issue estoppel, or now also the court's case management powers if issue estoppel does not arise on the facts in UK proceedings. And this would be to obtain a quick decision by summary judgment on the validity of the divisional patent. And that is assuming that it had previously successfully revoked the parent patent. That party can then rely on this together with the invalidity judgment of the parent patent to try to seek a stay of the German infringement proceedings pending the determination of validity in Germany. Alternatively, if an arrow declaration has been sought and obtained during any action on the parent patent in the UK, this could also be relied on before the German courts to try to persuade them to grant a stay of the infringement proceedings. So that's just an idea of how the UK remedies or attempts to preempt a divisional application plays into the larger landscape across Europe in patent litigation. Thank you. It's really useful to see how this all fits within the broader context. I know you previously did another podcast with Stefan Neuhaus, a partner in our Dusseldorf office, on the legislative updates in Germany that go some way to addressing the injunction gap you mentioned just now. That's another aspect of patent litigation to consider, though it's separate to the strategies of utilising issue estoppel or ARRA declarations that we've been discussing today. Well, thank you, Rafi and Erin, for joining me on the podcast. As a final thought, it seems quite clear that any time you're litigating a patent, it's important to keep in mind whether a potential divisional might be involved. And it's also useful to understand the different strategies and tools developed by the UK courts that can be used in such a situation. I think that's exactly right. Thanks, Elizabeth. It's been great to be here with you both. Thank you, Elizabeth. It's been a pleasure.